0: Tonight, on the official Bigfooty podcast, we talk about the latest developments at Melbourne with Higgs Boson. We talk all things Port Adelaide with Russell Ebert-Hamble, and Messenger decides to show up whenever the hell he wants. All this and more, coming right up. Gentlemen, welcome to the seventh episode of the Big Footy Podcast. I am the Wookiee, and with me, as always, are my friends and well wishes, the Old Dark Navies.
1: Hello, everybody.
0: That's right, he's there this time. Higgs Boson is here from uh, the Melbourne Group again. Good night, chaps. Uh, the prosecutor joins us. Hello, And uh, Russell Ebert Hamble, or REH, uh, from the Port uh, Supporter Group is here.
2: Uh, good evening, all.
0: And joining us again is Jamie Johnston. Hello. Tonight, guys, we're going to talk about a whole range of things. It's as Eddie McGuire used to say, it's been a big week in football. Um, but first of all, your highlights for the weekend, and we'll start with ODN, and we'll work our way around the table.
1: Yeah, just just quickly, Wookie, I just wanted to make mention. Messengers is uh, not with us tonight because he's out buying a fluoro shirt. So, um, so I don't inadvertently talk to him. <laughs> uh, <laughs> My highlight uh, was uh, Judd's 250th game, back to the Juddie of old, probably his best game for the year, um, and um, it was great to see, and, um, and uh, I, if I can throw in a low light, uh, Mark Murphy's injury, um, second year running where he's, uh, where he's copped a nasty one, so uh, not happy at all.
0: Sure, and how about you, uh, Higgs Boson, did you have any highlights from the weekend?
3: Uh, look, I have to be honest, with the, uh, the buy this week, I, I didn't watch a lot of football. I took the opportunity to do something that gives me joy, i.e. not watching football. <laughs> uh, so, uh, look, if we're going to look at football in the true sense of the word, the highlight for me was uh, undoubtedly uh, Australia beating Iraq to get in the World Cup. Uh, I think that was terrific. Josh Kennedy. What kind of podcast yeah. is this? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> look, if, we, if we're going to talk about footy, <clears throat> um, I think for me... Um, I'm going to say Joe Danaher's continued continued emergence. Uh, now I hate is as much as the next bloke. although <laughs> I said that with some of the members on this panel, I probably hate <laughs> yeah, yeah, you I think you might yeah. be wrong. Take, take a number. <laughs> uh, but, well, look, I do think he's a gem. He's going to be very good. I, I'm very impressed with uh, with Joe Danaher. And I just hope that he doesn't have the, uh, the 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 genes that his family have in terms of his knees, and he can have a long career.
4: Yeah. Good.
0: Good. Good highlight. Prosecutor, your uh, highlight from the
4: weekend? I'm going to go with uh, the Richmond Tigers. The bandwagon is in full swing at the moment, isn't it? Um, and it, I guess it's just exciting to see the Richmond supporters up and about. And the league's always stronger when Richmond is doing well.
0: Yeah. Uh, REH, you got a highlight from the weekend?
2: Uh, well, getting back on the winners list after five uh, weeks in drought, so that's got to be my highlight. And the team, actually. After playing so poorly last year up in, um, at Skoda Stadium, this year actually starting, you know, once at, when the ball bounces at the start of the game. And also I agree the Richmond. Um, it's great. I've been to a couple of games at the MCG. Um, actually, no, one at the MCG and one, one at Etihad. And uh, when the Tigers fans are roaring and they can get 30,000, 40,000, especially uh, when it's against a non-Vic side, it's just a great atmosphere.
0: Yeah, and Jamie Johnston, what about your height from the weekend?
5: Uh, not having a feeling of pathological hatred towards my own football team at any point, so
3: yeah. <laughs> I that
5: feeling. I said highlight. <laughs> yeah, saying... it was a highlight. It's been that bad this year. You had
0: the buy, didn't you?
1: Mhm. <laughs> <laughs> we're looking forward to the same this week. Don't oh,
0: worry. We? Yeah. <laughs> All right, uh, we're going to do the news early tonight, um, uh, just because uh, Higgs Boson has to leave us early. Good evening, this is the Bigfooty News for Wednesday June the 19th, I am the Wookiee. St Kilda's Stephen Milne has been formally charged with four counts of rape by Victoria Police over an incident that occurred in 2004. Victoria Police say the original investigation was inadequate and the victim still wants to press charges.
3: Our point of view, we're extremely disappointed with the uh, investigation. It doesn't really help um, the delay in this matter, the victims nor the um, persons charged. We um, spoke to the um, alleged victim in this matter and um, to see if she still wanted to proceed. And after speaking to the victim, um, we commenced... Uh, to um, conduct further inquiries in relation to this
0: matter. St Kilda president Greg Westerday today announced that St Kilda would keep the forward on their list but have decided he will not play for an indefinite period. In considering the
5: matter the board has been mindful of the rights and obligations of everybody that's impacted. Based on this the board has resolved that in the best interests of all parties concerned and the duty of care the club has to Stephen and his family Stephen will remain a listed player, but will take a leave of absence
0: from playing. The Melbourne Football Club has formally terminated the employment of senior coach Mark Neald with assisting coach Neil Craig taking over until the end of the season. This has led to immediate speculation as to potential future coaches with Mark Williams, Rodney Eade and Paul Roos, the obvious candidates. Rodney Eade was asked about this on Foxtel's AFL 360 on Monday night. Um, yeah, yeah,
5: they asked 12 months ago. Yep. as well um and i got the same So that i've still got that fire that in yeah. the in the gut if they did happen to want to have a chat well we'd see what happened then but if they didn't well there's no drama i'm, I'm certainly happy with where i am at the moment
0: paul roos told on the couch that he's not interested in coaching melbourne like two weeks ago and he repeated his assertion last on monday night
6: no at the moment as i no, said, no
2: moments well, you're asking me now. Well, yeah. I'm saying I don't have... A, I'm the opposite to Rocket. Rocket said he has a burning desire to coach.
0: Yep. I don't. John Walsfold yesterday told his weekly press conference they could rule him out of the running as well.
2: I uh, haven't thought about it. haven't thought about the Melbourne job being available. And, um... Uh, no, I'd less rule myself out, eh?
0: Neil Craig has said that he might run for the job yet, while Chris Scott says that Geelong VFL coach Matthew Knights would be an outstanding candidate. Brisbane's Sam Mays is the Round 12 nominee for the Rising Star Award. Mays was among Brisbane's best in the loss to Fremantle with 25 possessions. In contract news, Brisbane's Matthew Ludenberger has re signed with the Lions for a further two years, while teammate Dane Zorko has agreed to a three year extension. Fremantle Ruckman, Zach Clark, has re-signed with Fremantle for a further two years, while Richmond has reported that Chris Newman and Jake King have re-signed on one-year deals, Xavier Ellis has re-signed on a two-year deal, and Nick Vlosten has signed until the end of 2016. West Coast Eric McKenzie has also signed on until the end of 2017. To injury lists, West Coast could make four changes for this week's match against Hawthorne after Darren Glass, Mark Lacroix, Josh Kennedy and Beau Waters were declared fit by John Worsfold. Essendon's Michael Hurley is expected to be fit to face West Coast this weekend after aggravating a previous wrist injury, while Gold Coast's Tom Lynch is expected to have a lengthy time on the sidelines after straining his PCL. Geelong's Taylor Hunt and Carlton's Andrew Carrazzo are expected to resume this weekend for their respective clubs while Port Adelaide skipper Travis Boak is expected to miss some time with a finger injury. In tribunal news, in Hawthorne's Luke Hodge escaped with a reprimand, while Jared Ruffhead was cleared. Jonathan Brown returns this weekend from a two-week suspension, and Kurt Tippett is likely to resume in the Swans' AFL side this week after an 11-week suspension finally ended. To Milestones, and St Kilda's Nick Rewalt and Nick Del Santo will play their 250th matches for the Saints this weekend against Melbourne. While Sydney Swans stars Adam Goods, Jude Bolton and Ryan O'Keefe will break the record for the most games played as a trio when they play their 254th game together, beating the previous record held by Bulldogs Brad Johnson, Rowan Smith and Scott West. This has been the AFL News. Tonight, uh, Higgs Boson has returned. Uh, we had him on earlier in the season to talk all things Melbourne. And uh, with the developments at Melbourne, we felt that it was good to get some input back into the developments at Melbourne this week. So, Higgs, welcome back, mate. I wish you could have been under better circumstances.
3: Look, I, look something had to give. Uh, there's no doubt about it. Um, I, I think I've been on the record of saying that um, uh, the, the team's been... Um, very poorly, uh, a very poor developer of talent, and I think a lot of that is to do with fitness, and I think that uh, uh, Neil and Craig have come in you know, to, to change that, and I think they've started on that route. But you just can't keep going the way we're going. Uh, you know, I, I think um, I'm not very good at stats, but uh, my good friend uh, Super Mercado has given me a couple, and, and I think that at the moment our percentage is the third worst uh, in any MFC season. Uh, I think uh, below us uh, the the the, uh, the team of 1906 who uh, had one win and 48.75%, uh, and the team of 1919 who had zero wins and 42.96%. So it's not as if we're performing particularly well. I think um, uh, something had to give, uh, and clearly uh, Neil has, has just not got the job done. So as far as I'm concerned, the fact that he's gone now. I've said it before, something needs to happen. So we've had a good um, uh, you know, a clean out of the club now. We've had um, uh, the president go, Don McClarty, who was really only there because Jim Stein died, quite frankly. Um, the CEO, Cameron Schwab, uh, he's left, uh, and we've got in his place a person who I think is a really good operator, Peter Jackson, someone who uh, I think we really need is dispassionate Uh, professionalism at the club Uh, there's been a lot of talk about Melbourne being an old boys network and there's something in that but uh, Peter Jackson is pretty impressive and I think we saw a few commentators uh, over the weekend talk about the clinical kill of of Mark Nield and I think that's right and I think it's just what we need Um, so you know we've had we've had the clean out Um, God knows it was needed uh, so I'm going to put my optimist hat on and, and hope that that can, um, you know, really, really help us out. Uh, something had to change. It couldn't keep going as it was, and, and, and let's see what happens in the second half of the season. I must say, uh, you know, I don't have a lot of faith in uh, in Craig Neil, uh, Neil Craig for those who, uh, uh, who, who know better, um, uh, but look something had to change yeah, and, and, and that's where i'm at I, I, I just hope that um uh, it, look even if it doesn't improve under craig uh something had to change and we're on a on a path to
4: to something different that's got to be a good thing
0: all right guys any questions comments you want to ask higgs while we've got him here
4: well i guess the first question to ask is who do you see as the um ideal replacement for neil
0: look it's a good
3: question um uh Paul Ruse has been touted as Messiah. Um, he's going to, you know, be all of that. I'm not a fan of Paul Ruse taking the job. I don't think he wants it. Um, I think myself that he's overrated. Um, he's, he, look, he's had good results, but you know, you just can't have someone in the chair who doesn't really want it. So I, I think that Ruse had a very good side of Sydney. He had great results, um, but I'm not a fan. Personally, I think that um, you know, having heard Eid uh, on the, uh, in, you know, Footy Three AFL three hundred and sixty this week, um, I, I wouldn't mind having Eid. and, and Choco Williams. Um, I think he'd be quite good too. Um, so that that'd be my preferences over Paul Ruse, which might be surprising to some. But uh, please, God, don't let us get Matthew Knights. Oh God, please, God. <laughs> uh,
6: Higgs, it's uh, it's Messenger here, and greetings, everybody. Uh, Higgs, uh, there's. Um, Talk of um oh now I've, you're gonna have to edit this one out, Rookie, I'm sorry, I have completely forgot what I was going no, to talk no, about. To <laughs> oh, sorry. Now I, you go. I heard an interesting comparison with Paul Ruse this week. That they, they said it was shades of the recruitment of Malcolm Blight to St Kilda, somebody who perhaps is going to get
3: talked into the job. And well, and yeah, look, I I agree entirely. Um, You know. Uh, he he doesn't have the passion to do it. Um, as I said in my last appearance on his podcast, you know, anything given with the commentary, that's great. Uh, but I'm not sure that I want him to necessarily come into our team. Um, look, who knows? He, he might come in and, and he might be the Messiah again, but I I just don't see it. Um, and, and I think that's a very apt comparison with Blight. So I think it's a very good point. I, I, one other follow
6: up is this is an unprecedented push out in the. The CEO is gone and, and the board looks like it will be dismantled as part of this shake-up. And there's always been, to so David Schwartz talked this week about how the Melbourne board's always been very high on business acumen, but not so high on football people. Jeff Kennett's obviously been rejected, and rightfully so, as a, as a, as a presidential choice. But is it possible Melbourne could co-opt some non-Melbourne football people in at a board level? I hope they do.
3: Um, you, you talk about them being good at business acumen. Well... Well, maybe they are. I don't know that we've seen a hell of a lot of it, but look, we certainly need to get some people in there that know their footy. They know how to how to run a club. And, and I think, uh, you know, for me, the most positive thing to happen is to have had Peter Jackson come in. Uh, the guy knows his stuff. Um, he's removed enough from the situation. But I think he can make those considered decisions without the emotion uh, and make the right decisions. So, Look, as far as I'm concerned, um, I, I said earlier that, you know, there's been a bit of a, a an all-boys network. Um, as far as I'm concerned, we need to get people in there that can actually do the job and do the job well. So I'm all for... For me, I, I don't really care who a board member goes for as long as they, they, they do the job. I think that anyone at that level um, is professional enough uh, that their allegiance... Um, you know, they're not going to sabotage it, you know, the club because they might have supported someone else as a kid. So, yeah, if they've got the talent, get them in, I say.
0: Just um, Messenger says it's unprecedented. Um, I disagree in a way, um, and I'm, we're fortunate that uh, RAH is actually here because Port Adelaide went, underwent a similar transformation uh, late last yep. year. And to, which is working wonders in terms of uh, support and morale. It's working wonders in terms of the team, where they basically worked out that the players weren't really the problem. It was the way they were coached, and it was the way the club was run. Um, and, th- and that's taken effect at board level. It's taken effect at the coaching level. Kenny Hinckley's come in for Port, and he, he's done a tremendous job with the players there. Um, and David Koch has come in at the top for Port Adelaide and done wonders in terms of the profile, in terms of... Uh, uh, the supporter base in terms of the financial base that the club has. And n- not least, uh, Mark Hazeman as well from uh, the Sample uh, appointed CEO. I mean, he's, do- he's done okay for a Sample appointed guy. Uh,
2: Keith Thomas. So Hazeman was the guy who was sacked by the Sorry.
0: Sample.
3: Sorry.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, look, the, the thing um, that I guess from the poor experience is, is that we had th- three months where Hazeman was sacked and he was hanging around. But the guy they got was Keith Thomas. Now I don't know how much you know, but Keith played 300 games for Norwood and a couple of seasons at Fitzroy, I think 20 odd games, and he's got a business background and in media in particular. And the thing that stands out, I remember when we lost to Essendon last year, and we'd had two or three games. I think it was about the the, there was two more games before Primus was sacked, and he made a speech to the players back at Alberton, and. Only a guy that's played a couple of hundred, three hundred games of football could have could have made that speech. The room was about three quarters full, which was pretty good for a for a loss. But he, he basically said we were expecting an effort last week. We were expecting it, and we only got it for a, cu- a couple of quarters. Today we were expecting it, and we got it for three quarters. I think we I think it was three points difference at three quarter time at Footy Park, and then Port ended up losing by nine or ten go- goals. And, and, and in a roundabout way, he was saying to the players, "Some of you, we've we've expected a reasonable amount of, but you keep on failing, and you keep on, you're not delivering, and you're not going to be around." And that was almost to me the public personification that shit. Things are going to. Ch- we know things are going to change, but this guy is going to change it. And I think this uh, that speech whatever that uh, Peter Jackson said the other day when Mark Nild was um, terminated was was even more blunt than what Keith said uh, last July after the Essendon game um, and I think that's what you need because the CEO can help pick you're going to have one or two guys on the board they're going to have to pick the rest of the board and we lucked out a bit with getting a guy called Kevin Osborne who's been in banking for 30 years and he came back to Adelaide and he's part of the establishment. And really, the Koshy model works because Kevin Osmond is the deputy chairman working the Adelaide sort of corporate market, but he's doing a lot of stuff that Koshy can't do because he's here. But I think I think Jackson's the, Jackson has to stay there for
3: 18 months and has to lead this. Oh, look, at least 18 months, and, and I hope he stays for, for longer, and who knows if he will, but um, there needs to be that... that, that um, you know, that broom through the place, uh, clearly um, it's not working. It has to change. Um, so, you know, that that's the hope for me, that uh, they get the right people in, that Jackson can restructure the place properly, um, and we might get to see some results which uh, we haven't seen over the last five or six years. Uh, yes. Hicks,
4: you mentioned um, about you not being that keen on Paul Roos, but what mm. would you say if you tried um, something similar to, that's employed at Essendon with Thompson as the um, sort of a senior assistant guiding a, an experienced coach like, a, well, I recommended on the Melbourne board, Simon Goodwin, but like a, like a young coach like that, that you can actually build upon, but have the strength of a Paul Roos or a Rodney Eade in the background to help out. Haven't they <laughs> all been trying what you boys
5: uh, been up to down at Essendon? I thought of the boy Tringo had been trying some of the old Essendon tricks
4: or have I, have I got that wrong? I think you got that wrong. I don't think it's actually worked for him, whereas it's, <laughs> it's working for Essendon at least. Yeah.
3: <laughs> so, so you're talking about uh, Melbourne getting a, a, a young, uh, inexperienced coach with Paul Roos overseeing the sort situation? Of, sort of
4: like a Herd Thompson sort of setup, where, you know, you've got your um, long-term potential coach there, but you've got someone for the, sort of the inaugural few years to help build him up quickly and fast track him yeah, and to make looks- sure that there's a successful environment there.
3: As a concept, I think it's a good one i don't think, i don't think there's anything wrong with that per se but um, we've kind of done that we had Mark Neal with Neil Craig um, and that's been a, a, an out and out failure um, so look I, I, the theory is sound, but as far as Melbourne are concerned it won't happen. Uh, I think we've been burnt over the last period uh, and I think that um, come hell or high water, we're going to go for an experienced coach. Now, that might be the right thing. It might be the wrong thing, but it's the thing that will happen. Um, so, you know, as far as theory goes, I think that's fine. But uh, in, in terms of Melbourne, I just don't think it's going to happen. I think-, well,
6: I think further to that model I'd offer is another example of the failure, Peter Schwab and David Parkin back in the uh, in the last decade. Uh, is Gary Ayres a serious candidate?
3: Oh, I hope not. Really? Look, people say, oh, Gary Ayres, oh, he's tough. He'll straighten them out. I don't think Mark Neal's lack of toughness, you know, w- w- was an issue. Um, I think it's very easy to say, well, this hasn't worked. Let's get someone else in there. Um, it, it's all very well to propose these alternatives. But um, I have no doubt that, that Neil uh, and Craig and the rest of the team were in there putting in really sophisticated strategies and really doing a lot to try to, you know, turn the things around, but they couldn't do it. It's... You know, it, it's it's just not that easy. Um, and, he, and Gary is—he's been out for a long time. Um, uh, you know, I can't see that happening.
0: Yeah, I suspect that they're going to need—they're going to want a coach that's going to come in with a plan, um, and he's going to know what he wants to do. He's going to know—he's you know, going to know who his assistants are going to be. He's going to—he's going to have some sort of guide as to where he wants Melbourne to go. And I think Rodney Eat is the kind of guy that's going to come in and do that. He's going to want to be the dominant coach he's going to want to seize the reins, and he's going to know how to actually... T- well, Rodney Eaton in particular did wonderful... Well, did good things at um, the Western Bulldogs with young players who were in a bad way at the time and took them to, what, final series two years in a row? Um, Choco Williams, um, he's relatively the same as long as he can keep people on side, um, which, you know, may may or may not be able to happen, but... And if but this he... was Mark
6: Neil's problem too I mean he, he lost some of the senior players and, well, and, and, and it's flowed from there but do they need to worry about that? Does it really worry if they tip a Brent Maloney out of the club and, and, and I mean is this the tail wagging the dog at Melbourne? I guess I wonder under Mark Neal. But... It's karma currently. Uh,
0: <laughs> the, prob- the problem with getting someone like Mark Williams in is he can be very divisive uh, REH will be able to tell yeah. you that. Yeah,
3: um, look, that, that was, a way sorry, for... I'll let you go in a second. Devices doesn't bother me. It really doesn't bother me. It's just if they can coach. I think um, I, I don't have a problem with Mark Neal's approach to come in there and say, look, we're going to be the toughest side to play against and, you know, if you're not with me, you're against me. And, you know, to, to piss off the older players, that doesn't bother me. You've got to be able to coach and get the results. So if Mark, if you to kind of do that, that's fine. And, and, again, I'm sorry to cut you off, R.E.H. All right. Um.
0: um
2: just um, what I was going to say about Choco. Daryl Wakeland was interviewed, and he said something really good about Choco. He said, if you're going to appoint Choco, make sure you've got a really good CEO and a really good, strong football manager around him. Because the best way I can explain Choco, to understand Choco, you've got to look at the 360 degrees of Choco. Choco does some great <laughs> things, and uh, and he has a, you know, he's a great, fun person. He loves music, and you know, jokes around. But he also can be quite manic, and you know, he'll be a dog at a bone, and uh, he, he likes pumping up individuals and saying, you know, you can be an All-Australian. You can be the best centre-half back in the country and stuff like that. But unless he somehow moulds them all together, and I think that's where he lost the players at port, was that he started... He had, you know, all coaches have their favourites. We all, you know, on all things in life have our favourites. But I think he lost it because he was playing the individual and the favourite. And unless he's got that out of his system... And as I said, I think Daryl Ackland's right. You need a CEO who's going to c- call in the reins because he's going to want to do everything and want to have his finger in every pie. He might have learned, but that I think is his nature. He's a great, he's a great teacher. And it depends what Melbourne, how long Melbourne prepared to wait for success or to improve. You definitely will get good teaching from Choco. And but to we need it. But, but. You've got to need a, If you get a Neil Balm in there as your footy manager and Peter Jackson, then the Choco might work.
0: Balm's not going to leave Geelong, though.
2: No, 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 but I'm giving Balmers in terms of a strong, structured footy bike.
5: Yeah. I think there's another element to the to the whole Melbourne thing that we're missing out on here, and it, it takes me into some of my favourite territory, which is the, the idea that the AFL's looking to kill off small Melbourne clubs is just ridiculous. I mean, the AFL's just given $3 bucks. I think, it is give or take a million or so to melbourne and they're doing everything possible to make melbourne strong again um if this was happening under ross oakley melbourne would be the greater western north coast south central demon warriors next year you know The idea that small Melbourne clubs are in trouble from the AFL for the next two or three TV rights is is just ridiculous and the events of the last week or so, with the the AFL going out of their way to help Melbourne in any
2: way possible, just absolutely prove that.
0: Yeah, no, no, I fully agree with that. The (laughs) AFL,
2: whilst they are paying a $10 million plus subsidy to the expansion side, cannot afford to let their existing sides fall. No. And that, 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 that basically means you've probably got 10 years. Because the GWS, it might not be getting a $10 million su- excess subsidy, but it's going to be getting a several million dollar excess subsidy over the next 10 years, and probably still in year 10.
0: Yeah, well, the AFL reckons that uh, Gold Coast will be profitable in six years, so...
2: Oh, yeah, the Gold Co- the Gold Coast is a better is a better model because, you know, you've got a lot of Southerners moving up there and the weather's a bit better and the lifestyle for the players. Awesome. But the GWS is a, Look, I, I lived in Sydney 15 years out of 18 that I lived outside of SA. And it, it's, a, it's a hell of a lot different to 1992 when I moved up there and I saw the first of the Swans' 26 losses in a row and 6,000 <laughs> people were turning up and I used I think I got to know two-thirds of the crowd over the next two or three years. Yeah. Um, so, so I get, I get that it's different to that, but it's a long, it's basically a snowy mountain scheme. I,
0: I think the it's, AFL has been pretty committed on what uh, Jamie said there. I think it's, it's, the AFL has been pretty committed since Dimitro basically abandoned the whole move north to Gold Coast thing. That the yeah. AFL has been pretty committed to uh, maintaining the league as it is. Important um,
3: too for that because you know. <laughs> If a team folds or a team merges, you know you're going to lose uh, tens and tens of thousands of supporters. Yeah. They're not just going to change teams. And no one, um, no know, one wants it's to people that are lost. And you can try to grow the game in New South Wales the people who really don't care about footy, um, but you've got to protect that heartland. Um, and, and I think you, I think Jamie's quite right. I think it's um, it's a positive uh, direction by the AFL, and it's one that they're going to continue to go down.
0: And no one wants mm. to see a Fitzroy happened again that mm. was just sad no. but guys uh, we're gonna wrap this particular segment up thank you very much for your uh, coming on again Higgs. it's uh, okay. Malmo It's a pleasure walk here. it mustn't it mustn't be easy knowing you're coming on to answer a barrage of questions on a, on, on your club coming up guys we're going to talk Port Adelaide with uh, reh you That, of course, is the Port Adelaide theme song. Oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) Just for for Messenger. uh, I have have this aversion to these newfangled theme songs. The West Coast and uh, Frio ones don't do anything for me either, to be honest. But uh, we're here with uh, Russell Ebert-Hamball from the Port Adelaide Forum. And uh, we're talking all things Port Adelaide. Uh, We're trying to cover every club at some point this year. And... uh, by the grace of God, we're going to avoid talking about Carlton until next week. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, <laughs> REH, welcome to the podcast. Um, Thank I know, you. I know you've been here for the rest of it, but uh, this is why you're here. And uh, how have you seen your team's performance this year?
3: Um,
2: meteoric, then disappointing. We almost rose too quickly in those first five weeks. And then uh, some of those close... Two or three of those close losses where we made too many silly errors was really disappointing giving the start. But overall, if you had told me we were going to be six and five after the GWS game back in uh, back in September or October last year, I said, yeah, I'll, I'll take that and probably even in March. But um, uh, I think the club or the players have been up for a long time. You know, They hit the pre-season pretty hard. They wanted to do well in the NAD Cup. They didn't quite uh, go to the next game. But they did play west coast in darwin and sydney at footy park and beat them um and you know it was sort of big second halves so they've been up since then um and you know with a young sort of side you knew there was going to be some stuff ups but uh i didn't expect to be five zip i didn't ex- i didn't expect when we were 30 points down against uh or 31 against the crows in the third quarter and 41 against uh, west coast to actually win those games and the best thing about that, it was great to go back to the footy, to have a half-decent crowd, and to have a sense of fun and excitement. Koshi sort of promised us that he wanted us to have fun, and when you got a kid like Jake Need sort of getting involved in the play and uh, Westhoff and a few other guys who were actually, Chad Wingard, those first few weeks, uh, they were fun to be back at the footy after two depressing years.
4: Okay, guys, um, nice.
0: any, any questions or comments you want to...
4: Yeah, but well, yeah. you mentioned um, Chad Wingard there. He's been a revelation this year for uh, Port Adelaide. Uh, how do you rate the kid? Like, because I mean, players like Ollie Wines and all that sort of stuff have been getting the attention, but Chad Wingard's become nearly the most important player in his side, besides Westhoff.
2: Um, yeah, he's just—he uh, he might do something rare both at Port Adelaide Power and Port Adelaide Magpies in the history—is win the most improved and the best and fairest. Um, that's how good his, his, his improvement's been in the year. Look, he was highly regarded, and I, I wasn't overly keen on getting him because we, we've – not so much we've stuffed up our first draft picks, but our second and third and some of our trades. We, we've, we've drafted a lot of too many light players and players who don't put on bulk. And that was my fear with Wingard because he copped a few knocks in the under-18s. And, you know, I, I gave him the nickname Chin Guard because, uh, you know, he might have to put on a helmet or something like that. Um, but yeah, he's just been brilliant. He was always highly rated, and he's the, the thing that he was um, uh, got high marks for was his overhead marking. And he's a kid that uh, is, is prepared to go for his marks, and he did that in the first, and he pulled off some good ones. He dropped a few few marks, but he's improved his aerobic capacity, so he's actually able to last a game longer. And he's him and Ollie Wines, and probably both have been our most consistent players. Hartlett and um, uh, what was his name? Hartlett and Westhoff were just were fantastic in those first few weeks when we won. But through through the losses, those kids, those two kids, and it, uh, Wingard at six and Wines at seven, whether down the track, uh, they could have been picked up by the GWS. Uh, you know, we're in five years' time whether they rank, whether the fact they're young kids and they're sort of at least around men and they've been protected a bit helps compared to the all kids at the GWS. But it would be interesting, you know, those sort of uh, redo the 2008 draft and those sort of threads that are on the draft and trading boards. I'll look forward to sort of uh, having the uh, in 2016 having say the uh, the 2011 and 2012 drafts redone.
3: Yeah, uh,
5: how important? How important was Trav Bok staying? Because I mean, he was—I thought he was gone to Geelong, and it just seemed to be a really pivotal moment where an important player sort of said, "Yeah, I'm going to stick with this new program here. I believe in it." How important psychologically do you think that was last year? Oh, uh, I
2: think it was really important, and um, I've got to be careful what I say because I know some information. But
0: he well, was. Come on, screw your guts.
2: He he was um he got a lot of pressure from his family and one of his sisters to move back and he uh-huh. said no no I'm sticking that's why the Geelong guys came over because they they heard that you know he's he's going to stay and that's psychologically when um, the fact you know as as Keith Thomas the CEO said you know we don't mind them talking but you know you turn up the airport airport with the brass band and the shiny uh, and the shiny suits um, the fact that he said yes well he was going to say yes was important but. Just before he was uh, going to say yes, Primus got sacked, and then he thought, "What the fuck?" So uh, yeah, it was it was it was important um, that he uh, that he stayed. Um, but you can, I, I I initially at the time thought, "Come on, make a decision." But I guess when uh, Primus got sacked, you, you can't blame him for saying, "What's going on?"
0: Yeah. ODN, you had something?
2: Yeah
1: yeah no, I just wanted to give a big shout out to Kane Corns. Um, I, I thought he uh, he was pretty much on the way out the door, you know, a year or two back and um he's um he's he's leading the way this year and um it's gotta be it's gotta be good to have a veteran midfielder like that leading the way for those kids coming through. Um, you know, the likes of Wingard who I think is a is, is an absolute gun from what I've seen. Um it's just um you know, you, you see, you see with other some other teams when they're down and struggling a little bit, and they uh, they get rid of their experience, like Melbourne did with um, McDonalds and the, and the likes. But just to keep those sort of veterans around, and uh, he seems to have a new lease on life this year.
2: Well, one we got to keep a couple of players around because. Um Those two were sort of corns. Was two thousand Cassisi was two thousand. Ebert was two thousand and two, and then the next players are two thousand and five. So we, you know, we we need to keep a couple of players around. Um, Look, I think I think Chad. Chad, I think Kane lost his way partly because the way he was playing, and partly because what happened with Chad probably had some effect effect on him in two thousand and eleven. But he, I called him Mister Intensity because when he started footy. Footy was just it, you know, then finally got married and, you know, when he had kids and his first son had health problems, obviously he started to get a bit better balance in life. But because because he's not a big bloke, so he's not going to do lots of shepherds and bumps and things like that, he's not a fast bloke, he's not a big mark, his his key is his endurance running and that shut down role. And if his mind goes off that, he loses, he's almost his only weapon. So... The fact that I think Ken Hinckley said, look, I'm not here to end your career, I'm here to extend it, was was super important for him. And that's why in those first five weeks he was regular in our best players. Now I think I think during some of his losses he he got back to some he, some of his bad habits of where he's he's putting pressure on the young kids for him for them to give him the handball, the short one what I call one foot to one meter handball, and they say oh, Kane's calling for the ball, I better give it to him, and he ended up in bad positions and having to quickly dispose of the ball. That that's that's the frustration that Port supporters have with Kane is that he sometimes gets these cheap possessions. For, for possession, sake. But when when he's not playing that sort of game, and he's, he's, he's that Mr, what I call that Mr. Intensity, he's a great asset to to the uh, to the team. And as I said, because we've got so few really experienced players, he, he becomes a vital part of uh, our success. I'm interested, re18.
5: And by the way, can I just say you've got the best username on Big Footy by a considerable distance, but. <laughs> I'm interested in the psychology of Port because you guys are unique, I feel, in that you're the only club who came fully, the only expansion club, blah, 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 yeah. who came in fully formed and yeah. sort of um, relatively, you were the biggest and most successful club in Australia. You know, the Port Adelaide of SA were yeah. the absolute bees knees in terms of success being, you know hated. And then you've gone on this this journey within the the span of about sort of 15 years of being on the the bones of your ass like a a North or a a Footscray in the big league. How do you think that sort of affected the supporter base psychologically? Because there's people who are, you know, I'm presuming you're in my vintage, who would have gone from being the absolute big fish in the little pond to a a tadpole in a really big, nasty
2: ocean. Oh, look, there's no doubt that some of our fans can't handle... Uh, losing. I think think the biggest problem has been for our fan base is that we stopped playing the Port Adelaide way and we stopped being Port Adelaide. We don't like losing but we don't like being meek and I think, I, I don't know exactly what it was but there seemed to be after the flag and we probably should have made the grand final again in 2005. Uh, we probably should have made it in 2003 but we had lots of injuries so we were never going to win those no three but we should have been in two grand finals in a row and I think you know the old seven-year window Choco and some of the other people involved in recruiting decide to go for the quick fix and that quick fix has caused some long-term problems and, and I think we seem to have too many skinny kids and recruit skinny guys we don't bulk up and, and the thing that Port, real hard that Port Adelaide's supporters loved was that when we were successful or if we didn't win the flag we were there because we were we had big strong blokes who gave it their all and competed for four quarters and if we went down we went down because we, we gave it everything to me my reading is is that the old supporters who were pissed off and left they've left because they don't see Port Adelaide on the field you know, we've had to change our name, we've got a Dicky song maybe, you know, that going till for a while instead of black, you know, all that. But I think the at the heart of it is you don't see the old Port Adelaide on the on the footy field has been the big of, of all the issues we've had, I think that's the one that turns off our true
4: hard nut supporters.
0: Any other comments,
4: yeah. questions, guys? Yeah, um I'll ask one about Ken Hinckley. Obviously he came in after Primus was ousted rather quickly, uh, what has Hinkley brought to the club that's seen such a dramatic turnaround? I guess in morale and obviously on-field displays.
2: Um, there, there's a there's a poster on Big Footy called Western Royboy, and um, he Hinkley coached him at Mortlake in '98 and '99. And when 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 we were going through who's going to be coached and it looked like nobody wanted to coach us, and it looked like coming down Hinkley. On one of the threads started talking about it and there was debate, you know, he's inexper- why did he miss out on so many jobs, this and that. And I wrote something and I said, look, if Hinkley's hungry, because Rodney, he played this game but he didn't want to upset his brand. I said, if Hinkley's hungry to coach and he wants the job and he's got a game plan and he can explain the game plan to the players and he can explain the game plan to us and he's consistent then I'm happy for him to get the job. And Weston, and I use the phrase, we play none of this, no bullshit, unaccountable football. And Weston Royboy guaranteed me that that's what we're gonna get. And I think that's, Hinkley's a teaching coach um, and he's got a, when he talks, he can explain what he's doing. Choco at the end and Primus, I'm not talking about the ums and the ahs, I'm talking about what they wanted to try and achieve and what they were trying to do. A lot of us were confused. And I think the players were confused. I think that's when Primus lost the players in the middle of last year. He wanted them to play this possession brand of footy, but they didn't get it. They didn't understand it. And I think Hinkley Hinkley talks about being ruthless and brave and trust. I think that's what he's installed in the players, that you've got to be ruthless, you've got to be brave, and I'll trust you and I'll back you up. And that's why guys that a lot of us supporters on big footy want delisted or not to play are getting games because Ken said, look, you're working hard, you're doing well in the sample. I'm going to give you a go. I want to see, I trust you that, you, that you know, that you'll do a good job for me. And it's, you know, if, if you if you, could, if you could manufacture confidence and appeal, you'd be the richest man in the world. And I think in, in the simplest terms is that Ken Hinckley has instilled confidence back in the group. It's, it's not rocket science, it's not, nothing... The story is that um, his first training session, the guys did, did, did their... Well, uh, the story goes that it's a 3K, la- uh, 3K time trial, but if it's at the uni loop at Adelaide Uni, it's actually a two, 2.1, 2.2 kilometre time trial. They did that and then they did 15 minutes of skills. And they apparently were very bad. And Hinckley said, called them all and said, look, we're so far behind everybody, we can't afford to waste one minute said, you're going, you're going to go back and do a time trial again. You're going to get your time around the same time and you're coming back and we're going to do the skills um, session and you're not going to stuff this up. And that's what I mean. That, that's the, he's hard, but he's instilling confidence. And, you know, it's, it's maybe what Melbourne need, you know. Be tough with them, but be fair. Encourage them.
0: Yeah. Um, well, I'm going to end that particular part there as well. Okay. But uh, anyway, we're going to move on, guys. Uh, Round 13. Um, What are your highlights? And I think uh, we'll start... What are you looking forward to, rather? Messenger?
6: Oh, more Friday Night Football. I love the last one so much, I thought we'd double up for a second one.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who've you got Friday Night? West Coast. Nice, nice. They're bringing back... They're bringing back four... Well, possibly bringing back four players this week. Josh Kennedy... Uh, Bo Waters, Mark Lacroix, could be a good game.
6: Oh, we'll lose it. Hey,
0: guess
4: what? Kurt Tippett's back this week. Uh,
0: that he is. What are you looking forward to, uh, Prosecutor?
4: Um, I'm looking forward to this weekend being over. Just uh, The bye rounds are just so dull and disinteresting that I can't wait to go back to having nine games a week and always having your team playing. Like, I'm looking at the fixture now and there's nothing there that really screams out as must-watch.
0: What about you, REH? Uh,
4: obviously, my team because
2: uh, they're playing Sydney. So, if Sydney play um, like they did against uh, Adelaide, I probably aren't, aren't looking forward... I'm not going to be looking forward to that because they were just merciless uh, for three-and-a-half quarters against uh, Sydney. And, um, I don't know. It could be a triple-figure loss if they like that on Saturday. But... Um, uh, I, I am curious to see how St Kilda and Melbourne go. What um, uh, what the fallout of um, Neil being sacked is on the. on the, um, If there's any new life, or, you know, sorry, not new life, new enthusiasm in the Melbourne players, see how they respond.
0: Yeah. And uh, Jamie, your guys are back on the field this week. What are you looking forward to? Uh, stunning surprise
5: upset win over the, uh, the Freo boys over at Subi.
0: As much as I have a dislike for North, that's kind of what I'm hoping for as well. ODN, uh, what, are your, what are you looking forward to for the weekend,
1: Yeah, no, I'd have to agree uh, on the St Kilda-Melbourne game. St Kilda have had a bit of a, um, and they've had some negative uh, stuff go on this week and Melbourne have had a positive. So um, let's see if that uh, closes the gap a little bit and we see, we see that uh, bounce that we sometimes get from uh, the loss of a coach.
0: Um, guys, thank you very much for your, uh, participation tonight. Thanks for the invite. As always, it's been a pleasure. Um, I'll say goodnight to you all, though. Uh, goodnight, uh, ODN. ODN. You take this out. Goodnight, everybody. <laughs> goodnight, the prosecutor. Goodnight, all. Goodnight, door, uh, Jamie. Goodnight. Sorry. <laughs> goodnight, messenger.
5: <laughs> I'm just talking to my mate, sweet left foot is in the corner. They're opening a can.
0: Radio, good good night, messenger.
6: Checks in the mail, Razor. <laughs>
0: and, and good night, REH. Thanks for coming on Matt. Good night. Uh, good night, and thanks for the invite. And it was good, good fun. Thanks, thanks to you all, guys, and we'll see you all uh, next week.